Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Smart, driven, highly successful? I am so excited to have you. My name is Julia Arndt and I'm the host of the Stress Podcast. I will help you develop your stress resilience the same way you've developed your workplace superpowers. Learn peak performance tools to thrive at work and in your personal life. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Stress Podcast. It is my pleasure to have our next podcast guest on the show today, and it is John Robertson. Hi, John. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, it's been a busy day, but um, uh, I actually kind of like busy days as well. You know, sometimes it's nice to just get work done and feel productive. Well, and what you've described is one of the key, especially when it comes to being stressed, is were you busy driven by other people's schedule mm. or did you have a full schedule driven by what you enjoy doing? That's a very good point. And it was definitely one that was driven by me today. So it's it feels good. And I'm always excited to record podcast interviews um, and always really excited to meet a new people this way and learn your story. So before we jump into all of that, I always have um, the first set of questions for my guests, which is, where are you located? What time is it? And what have you been up to this morning? I am... In Eastern time, so I'm in Ontario, Canada, in a place called Ottawa, which is our nation's capital. So it's the Washington, D.C. for those in the U.S. And actually this morning, I just finished a workshop, training, whatever, on mentoring for a high, high stress work environment. And they're trying to hire new people. And a lot of people want the outcome, the whatever salary Less stress. yeah <laughs> and but there's a gap between what i really want and the work i got to do to get there so mm -hmm. mentors are helping people succeed and so that was the training i was doing this morning and went really well that's so, awesome very yeah, nice very cool and so um john tell us a little bit more about you and about your work and what you've been up to over the last few years and I'm thinking smart. Where do you start, so, huh? <laughs> yeah, so over the last 29 years, I started when I was 10. But one of the things that I've learned is I started actually doing crisis intervention, a variety of different terms. But mm -hmm. And I started as a pastor, minister, clergy person. And in a small community, when people's lives hit the fan, whatever that means, Who do they go to for support? And who are those community people that one can reach out to? Mm -hmm. So we had a mine disaster where some of my friends were some of the mine rescue people. I was allowed to help with their family. And what I discovered over the years is a lot of organizations and people are taking our North American model of schooling. We put you in school or we put a person in school for whatever, 12 years, uh, up to grade 12. Now you're educated. No, you're not. You're informed, indoctrinated, depending on the model. But, but when it comes to thriving, resilience, mental health, well-being, whatever we want to call those, it's not a course. Wouldn't that be nice, Julia, just... 
peeling it away. Wouldn't it be nice if you and I only had to take one course and everything got looked after? Yeah, it would be wonderful. <laughs> and I'm also thinking it would be great to learn this already in high school and college, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And, yeah. and to be fair, there's a researcher in, in down east, and he's doing work with young people. And one of the things that they're, he's starting, Michael Unger is his name, but one of the things he's starting to illustrate is by not allowing young people, children, to fail and learn how to bounce back by whether it be patting their fall or bulldozing, coming in and straightening things out, we're actually lowering their resilience. Mm. And this is now impacting leaders in the workplace. So if you're my supervisor and I have never learned, had to learn how to bounce back from failure, it cut from that sports team or failed that test or any number of things. If I've never learned how to do that as my supervisor manager, Some people think or feel that it's your responsibility to help me get back in the game, mm -hmm. which is partly true. Because the other part is you can't do for me what only I can do for me. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I totally believe that too. I think there's always a corporate responsibility and self-responsibility because you can't blame and put everything on the organization, right? Because yeah. you... <laughs> Yeah, you are responsible. You, you only know what you need, right? And you can only like, you know, I'm giving you a super simple example. I just got hired um, by a big tech corporation um, for a one-year program, which is wonderful, right? They they decided to really invest in mental health and performance. Um, and, you know, I'm going to help their, their employees basically, um, you know, learn the tools that I'm teaching in order to sustain performance over time. And It's incredible that they, like I said, they are investing a lot of money into that. You know, they're really, really committed to it, but that's all they can do. Now it's on the individual to actually participate Absolutely. in the course and to learn the tools and to apply the tools, because if they don't, it, this program is not going to be successful. You know, they can create the framework, but then it's all about the individual to implement it. And, and that, what you put your finger on is one of the biggest pieces when it comes to organizational health and well-being and so forth mm -hmm. is helping people understand that taking a course does not mean that one gets it. Mm -hmm. They've got the information. Now we have to focus, work out the transformation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, go back, to, I'm not a carpenter, but go back years and If a person wanted to be a carpenter, if you come with me, let's get up on the roof and mm -hmm. let's swing a hammer. Mm -hmm. Now, many times we send them to college and they have to find a way to learn that practical stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and this is happening consistently in all different terms, but well-being, resilience, mental health, thriving through crisis or change. And... And we have to help people take it from theory into, can I operate this in practical, mm -hmm. everyday terms? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so tell me more about what you specifically do now, John. Are you a mentor and court coach um, for those kind of people? Are you helping more the corporation side of things? I, or more the I'm actually doing the three pieces. And if you picture okay. a teeter-totter, I'm 
work around the fulcrum area. So I help leaders. <clears throat> I know the current buzz term is uh, forward thinking leadership. <clears throat> but what I do is I work with progressive leaders who are tired of doing the whack-a-mole or groundhog day. Mm-hmm. Let's transform that traditional crisis response because how crisis change can be a crisis for some, how crisis gets handled will tilt people, leadership and organization towards health or toward, toward more of a protect model. So it can be unhealth or treating ill or treating sick or treating injured. And so that's what I do. Transform the traditional crisis response, develop the culture where people want to work, train people on how to thrive, be more than resilient, and develop the leadership that people want to follow, even when sometimes they don't like them, they can trust them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how did you get into that kind of role? And what I learned was this sounds wrong and I don't want it to sound critical of anybody, but there's really good money in always reacting to crisis mm-hmm. because somebody's always got a crisis that anybody can get paid to go deal with. I like helping people thrive. I, that's my value. I just, I, when people are able to say, Oh, I get it. I got it. See ya. That for me is John did it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I got tired of whack-a-mole and I thought, okay, there's got to be a different practical way for people to get this. So a book that I just wrote and published or whatever the term is not that long ago was run toward the roar. But the premise behind it is figure out what your values are, figure out what your passion is. And that's why I mentioned made, made that comment earlier mm-hmm. is busy driven by other people's agenda mm-hmm. or is busy something that Julia is saying, I had a full morning, but I love it. It's that passion. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I did was started building a model and the tools around that passion and, and loyalty or faithfulness towards one's values Because then when life gives us a wallop, we will find our way to get back in the game Mm -hmm. if we're passionate about it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I want to talk with you a little bit about organizations at first because you are working within organizations. And I'm really curious to hear a little bit more about what you have identified maybe the biggest um, challenges are for organizations when it comes to setting up programs and systems to help people stay productive and healthy? So <clears throat> there's a couple factors that I would really challenge people who are listening to this or watching mm-hmm. it, but listening to it, to mm-hmm. really, really clarify. What do you mean when you say organizational health? What, not you, Julia, but what does the mm-hmm. listener, what does a person, what does one mean when they say organizational wellness? What do they mean? Because one of the biggest issues, hurdles that I've seen consistently, what you think you mean and what I think Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not even on the same page. And Julie, in a really lighthearted way, I illustrate this using football. There are four football games in the world. There's Canadian football, 
American football, European football, and Australian football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we call European football soccer in North America, but at the end of the day, it's football. Mm-hmm. And everybody's talking about football, but we're not going to play very well together. Mm-hmm. We're so, not even playing with the same ball. <laughs> we're not actually, good point. And even in the Canadian, good Great insight. I'm actually going to steal that one because yeah. we're not even in North America. So combine rugby or sorry, Australian football, American football and Canadian football. We're not even playing with the same literally ball. Mm-hmm. They're very different. And so what happens is we're not clear on the terms. We're also not clear on how the training supports the desired focus. So what does success mean for us here? Because what you and I were just chatting about, there is no organization that's going to keep everybody healthy in the game all the time. It's not, it's not possible. It's not viable. Mm-hmm. So what does success mean? And then it's called developmental learning. But how does this program fit to grow towards that focus, that definition of success, And then one of the most important pieces is answer the values question. Why are we doing this? Why does this matter? Because mm-hmm. if, if the organization or leadership doesn't talk to that, it gets perceived as a checkbox. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we probably should do something for mental health. Okay, who can we hire to do that dog and pony show and, you know, let everybody feel better? Mm-hmm. yeah so what does it mean to you like you as john robertson what 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 does it mean how do you define organizational health what 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 would an organize uh, a healthy organization look like for you for you specifically okay and the best way i illustrate this and i'm smirking because <laughs> i use the human body okay In an organization, who are the people who are like the heart? They thum, 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 but they oxygenate people. They, whether you call it empathy, compassion, they just genuinely care about the people. Another body part could be leadership with one eye. They see where we need to go. Uh, there are all kinds of different giftings, lungs, which are the encouragement, And let's not forget the sphincter because we also need to make sure that in the body, sometimes you've got to prune things and get rid of stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I love the way Jim Collins words it in, I think it's good to great, but don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it is. But he says, and he quotes, um, he's talking about Admiral Stockdale's paradox. And he says, Great organizations are not good places for everyone to work. Mm-hmm. We either fit and flourish or we get expunged like a virus. Mm-hmm. And so in the human body, that's a great visual for you and I know what happens to our body when we get a virus. Mm-hmm. COVID has been the perfect example of, yeah, you know what? There are some resilience, mental health pieces i.e. vaccines, and I'm not getting into the vaccine debate, but we can strengthen the human body to be resistant. So what's the organization doing to build up immunity 
because you can't prevent everything but playing well together. What does the body parts need for nourishment? How are they contributing to the good of the whole? And strengthening the team to function like a highly effective human body. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? Uh, help people understand their focus, mm -hmm. how it fits with the organization, how, help people understand their passion. And passion is not the rah-rah stuff. It's the fire in the bones. It's the stuff that we care deeply about. Mm -hmm. Help people define their own values. And the one that trips most of us up are what I call natures, you know, because we get nurture environment, but natures are Myers-Briggs calls them type, DISC calls them temperaments, true colors, whatever we want to call that mm -hmm. personality thing. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we have to understand how we are wired so that I can leverage your wiring on flip sides just as true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and so building that healthy, effective, functioning organization means help people understand their strengths versus their Achilles heels and be prepared. Don't, and I'm not a believer in waste time on strengthening your weaknesses. They're still going to be my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Play to your strengths, buffer the weaknesses, find somebody who can complement, who can address those things with their eyes shut. Mm -hmm. And do you think that's um, a big component of how to establish healthy organizations more from a mental health perspective as well? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so with some of the organizations that I work with, like first responders, I actually use the term officer safety, personnel safety. Because mm -hmm. if you and I are involved in a, whatever, a manufacturing place, And I've got too many things running off this human battery. Mm -hmm. My head will not be in the game. Mm -hmm. But like many things that happen in life, I may not be the one who gets the wallop or gets injured. Mm -hmm. So to keep a safe, healthy workplace, we have to create that culture where when people's heads are not in the game, We have to love them enough to speak the truth, to say, hey, John, you're not firing on all cylinders here, bud. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be the caught, uh, the, be the one caught if your head's not in the game. Mm -hmm. That's not diagnosing. That's not making it a federal case or a big issue. It's just, you know, like go back to the sports analogy I mentioned you, we were talking about with football. If I play North American football, if I'm on the offensive line and I've got a sore knee, I'm not going to be blocking very well for the quarterback or the running back. Mm -hmm. So call it for what it is. Batteries drained. We've got a Charlie horse. So what are we going to do to help that person exercise that Charlie horse or get a charge back in their battery so we can get back on the, in the game? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And, um, you know, you've been working with organizations, um, obviously, within this uh, topic. Why, you know, obviously, I think more and more people understand the reason why we need to work in this field and why this is so important, right? Um, 
But can you maybe share one or two examples of your own work where you say, you know, this is why this organization had to do this and this is what the impact was because we were starting to really focus on defining the values and understanding what the success metrics when it comes to wellness and well-being actually look like? Okay. Um, one that comes to mind and I'm still working with, and it's a small business. Mm -hmm. So he has a smaller staff, huge portfolio, um, financial and commodity or product wise, but, and they were multiple offices that during COVID they weren't able to get together mm -hmm. pre COVID they would get together kind of the monthly bi-monthly meeting for lack of better words. What ended up happening was during COVID, it was kind of like uh, shifting without a clutch. And I'm not sure if you've ever driven a standard, but, but there's yeah, that. I actually learned how to drive a standard. Okay. <laughs> and you know that feeling you get when you shift and the, the gears grind, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was happening in the workplace and nobody could figure out what's the matter here? Why are we not mm. playing well together? Because mm. one person was an incredibly gifted individual, but something one and one equal three. Anyways, Paul and I started to do some work. We started to talk about some stuff. And what we discovered was this one person was dealing with ill health themselves and wasn't mm. telling anybody. Mm. Their spouse was dealing with layoff or termination or whatever you want to call it, not for cause, but just the way that business that the husband worked for wanted to get rid of people mm -hmm. and customers, clients in their business were not managing stress very well. So they mm -hmm. would phone up to chew people out. Mm -hmm. When the organization started walking through their focus and their values, what immediately happened was like the movie title, irreconcilable differences. Mm -hmm. Some people had these values. Some people had these values. And just like the four footballs, they could not play together. Mm -hmm. and, and that doesn't mean they're out of the weeds because it progressed for so long. It had gone on a little bit before COVID, but during COVID, everything got escalated. Mm -hmm. So now they're in recovery mode. So, and being of Scottish ancestry, I'm, some people call it cheap, but I like to call it frugal and prudent. But anyways, you know what happens? Which is more expensive? Getting health back once we've been injured or sick or keeping health in the first place? Mm -hmm. Well, the letter, obviously. <laughs> and, and exactly. But mm -hmm. what's happening is organizations are starting to realize you know what, this is a lot more cost effective to keep people healthy. Yes, it's a lot of money to spend, but the cost of replacement of turnover, even the buzz term right now, the great resignation, what's happening is organizations are holding. We're bleeding money here and all of this is fixable. So another organization that I was working with, and it was actually a nonprofit, they couldn't get good volunteers to volunteer. And they ended up with people that volunteered, but for lack of better words, their heart wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. 
And during the interview process, nobody was asking about focus and motivation values. Why do you want to do this? What's your focus in doing this? Mm -hmm. And by realigning some things and getting the values less on a website and brochure, more operational and actual, they started to realize we're not on the same page here. Mm -hmm. And now what's starting to happen is, and I'm not a gardener, but I understand the principle. They started to prune and now they're starting to grow a healthy environment. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like it always needs some pruning before it can like grow a healthy environment? Absolutely. And mm -hmm. one of the memories, because my dad was a gardener and one of the, and I'm, I'm beyond stink at it. And, and I still remember, have you ever done any gardening, Julia? A little bit. I probably would have helped my grandparents here or there, <laughs> but like, yeah, not, not, not very much. In a tomato plant, there are the little branches at the bottom. Okay. And I remember dad calling them suckers, but I had no idea why. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I ended up talking with a gardener years later because no son is going to ask his father for wisdom and, you know, all those things <laughs> that kids don't ask parents. But and I asked them and I said, so just curious, why are tomato plants call those little things at the bottom suckers and you got to prune the suckers off? And I'll never forget because John, if those suckers don't get pruned off, it draws the nourishment to grow the healthy. And I don't know what a tomato mm -hmm. is, a fruit or a vegetable, but it, it hinders growing the healthy tomato. Guess what happens to you and I? And Julia, no names, but let me put this back on you. Have you ever worked with one of those individuals that, you know, you saw so much potential, you loved serving him or her, you loved the work, but it didn't matter how much energy you put into it. It just always seemed to consume your energy. There was no... Mm -hmm. I don't even know what, pardon me? Return maybe, or like okay. no giving and giving and receiving. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I've definitely experienced that. I think it's a really good analogy. And, you know, one question that I still have is, you know, you were talking about, you know, as you are identifying the values and you have like, you know, the one side of people that have that one set of values and the other side that has a very different set of values. Is it kind of very clear then then just that one side completely has to go or no, no. so how great, do you great question absolutely okay. great question and and okay. that's part of what i want to highlight mm -hmm. it's under no conditions do we ever imply or say that their values are wrong mm -hmm. or whatever evil bad and chrono but we have to decide organizational values department, section, division values, then individual values. Mm -hmm. So for example, I've done work with some organizations that maybe not their top core value, but really close to the top is money, is profit, whatever you want. Their definition of success was tied to money. Mm -hmm. I'm not. Now, Don't get me wrong, my bank requires me to make regular mortgage payments, so I do need an income. Mm -hmm. But 
I'm not motivated by money. I'm motivated, motivated by other values. Mm-hmm. I knew that when those two value mine and theirs, when we collided, we were, I was going to have to make a decision. But it wasn't about saying they're wrong because profit is a core value any more than me saying I have different values than money first. But when, and this gets right into conflict resolution type of things, when I know what my values are and I know what yours are, we will find a way through those differences. Mm -hmm. And going back to your comment, it's not blaming it's not playing a victim card. It's none of those things. It's recognizing, yeah, those are my values and I respect theirs and these are mine and they respect mine and we just agree to disagree. Now let's get back on the field and play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I appreciate you asking that because a little bit right now, sometimes it feels like if these aren't your values, the way people get perceived is you're bad, you're wrong, you're evil. And that's, I totally, totally disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Because there's an interest as well in having diversity in the company, right? We, you don't want to just have all the same players, right? And, and that's where different natures, different passions, and different values are vital. Mm-hmm. But they have to come under the focus and the values of the organization. Mm-hmm. So... If you're my supervisor, leader, boss, manager, one of the values that we have to have in the workplace is a recognition of a chain of command, whatever we call that. So if I'm always jumping the queue on your leadership and going to a board of directors or going to a director of HR, we're not honoring the values in our workplace. That's where the discussion needs to happen. Mm And so how does that look really in practical terms, right? So I understand now, okay, and, pe- and listeners, I'm sure understand now, okay, we have like values is an incredibly core principle to look at in order to determine a corporate corporation's wellness and health. Um, you know, so how can I uh, imagine that working? So you maybe sit with the leadership team, you identify the values, and then do you uh, create assessments for employees to see what their values are and then you kind of compare them and then you kind of take the next steps or how does it look okay all so there's three components to defining values because most organizations have values on a website or Mm -hmm. a brochure Mm -hmm. what we have to do is help people have an honest discussion to say are these values on the website our actual values Mm -hmm. and the, the discussion has to be about What's going to be the both, our Mm -hmm. actual values and operational values. So Mm -hmm. that's first. But Mm -hmm. all values have to have a definition and then they have to be followed by descriptions. Mm -hmm. So if, for example, um, I'll bet you, and I'm not even a gambler, but I'll bet you you've met somebody who would not say, well, I don't have any integrity. Mm -hmm. But having worked with them, may not share the same definition that you have for integrity. Mm-hmm. I see, I see. Yes. So a value must have a definition. Mm-hmm. 
must, and it has to be teachable to a grade five student. So it has to be simple, really simple, mm-hmm. very simple. And then the descriptors are, how would I know that value is being operational in practice in everyday language? Mm-hmm. And then working with personnel, walk them through what are their core values. Now, leadership do not need to go to frontline personnel to determine what the organization's values are. That's a leadership responsibility. Mm-hmm. So therefore working with frontline or personnel means, okay, what are my core values in this organization? Mm-hmm. And then the other pieces that I walk through with organizations are what's your focus? What does success look like? Same principle, success, definition, description. And then what's our leadership development strategy to grow that focus and those values? Mm -hmm. Because many leaders were never trained on how to do that kind of thing. They were trained at getting results and productivity, Mm -hmm. but we're now asking them to do one more thing and we're not actually equipping them Mm -hmm. to do it in a way that's genuine, Mm -hmm. but also not overwhelming. Okay, so you get the results of that. Yes. And then you kind of take action. Well, and then we start building out the programs, the process. So one of the tools, for example, a lot of people talk about resilience and thriving. How many people can define it and how many people know the program or the the training or the equipping to actually develop it? Mm-hmm. So we talk about um, mental health and mental illness. Okay, helping people understand that being sad when your dog, cat, best friend dies is not a mental health issue. It's a human issue. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, when, you know, when I get skipped over in the promotion, I might have the same grief as that person has for their dog dying. Mm-hmm. And so therefore building out those programs of, I call it the process Because you start with, okay, doing your assessment, your focus, getting a handle on where things are and where things are going or where you want things to go. And then build out the A, B, C, D to start growing it, just like that tomato plant, prune the suckers. Mm -hmm. And that way leadership isn't caught saying, well, yes or no. But when John goes to Julia and says, you know what, Julia, I think this would be a great program for us to do in our organization. Instead of you getting caught saying yes or no, okay, John, how does that program help us grow our focus? How does that program honor our values? How does that program help our personnel? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not really sure it does, but it'd be a great program to take. Mm -hmm which and can be to identify it. Yeah. Yep. And, and therefore training or equipping or coaching or whatever leaders to stop diagnosing, telling, and start getting people to think about the focus and the organization mm-hmm. to grow it. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I mean, how many different expressions, but the sum of the whole is greater than the individual parts but two horses can pull more 
then one horse, two horses in, uh, sorry, two horses can pull more together than two individual horses can pull, pull on their own. Mm -hmm. And, and when people start to see that mental health, wellness, and the culture that we work in is not just a hope, wish, pray, dream. It's no, we're going to make this happen. We're going to grow this. Mm -hmm. Then they get behind it and they start, you know, pulling in the same direction. Yeah. 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 I love that analogy. Um, tell us a little bit more about your book, John. You said you published a book. I did. It was uh, not for the faint of heart. If anybody's thinking of writing a book, do not think that is easy. But the premise behind it is exactly uh, what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And in the United States, the Marines have a Semper Fidelis. Mm -hmm. Semper Fi is the way it gets worded. But most people don't actually understand where it comes from. And Semper is the Latin word for always. Fidelis is the word that you and I use for fidelity or loyalty. So the premise of run toward the roar is in order to, instead of reacting like normal humans, fight, flight, freeze, appease when we hear a roar, which normally means we run away from it, to run toward the roar, determine what are you passionate about and what are we committed to be faithful to, which is our values. So the term that I coined is called Passio Fidelis, passionate faithfulness versus that begrudging obedience. And the premise behind it, and this is strictly as a rag alert, but the premise behind it is the old story about the, the way the animal, the lion keeps his pride is his roar. So the teeth deteriorate, the mane deteriorate, the muscle deteriorates, but the way he keeps his pride is his roar. And the way lions hunt is a lion will go to one side of whatever herd of antelope. The pride will go to the other. And when the lion roars, animal instinct is fight, fight, freeze, appease. Majority of those animals will run away from the roar, which means they run right into the hunting party. Mm -hmm. Most of us as humans know that if we react to our roar and the, the event is never the real crisis. When we react to a roar, we can run away from it and we can actually run into bigger problems. Mm -hmm. So my grandma's expression was better the devil, you know, than the one you don't. Mm -hmm. And, and part of that is what am I going to do? to face this roar and come through on the other side. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, and maybe it's true for you, but majority of people I've talked with, that's actually where we have the, big, the greatest friendships. Those relationships where we have gone through a roar together mm -hmm. and we come through the other and your smirk is telling me, <laughs> yeah, you I've experienced that. <laughs> <laughs> and And that's where the stories are take on. Like my family is more like Griswold's than Hallmark. Like our trips never go according to the catalog or plan. Mm -hmm. But every time we come back, we always have people say, so I got to hear, how was the Robertson trip? Tell us. 
Mm-hmm. Why? Because they know it's it's not going to be bo- uh, boring. Mm-hmm. But Julia, your smirk and your smile with that roar that people you've journeyed through with, mm-hmm. your our relationships with those people take go to a whole new level, whole new level. Yeah. And we don't have to worry about talking about the weather or politics or sports. We can talk about real things that really matter, even if we only talk twice a year. Yeah, exactly. Put that into an organizational context. Mm -hmm. We don't have to get together every Friday night for pizza and pizza and wings. But when we to talk about football, (laughs) yeah, or today, yeah, touche, and absolutely, and and we get together and we can talk about the things that really Mm -hmm. matter. Yeah. So, what does organizational health and well-being mean? Let's focus on what really matters. Let's focus Mm -hmm. on who really matters, Mm -hmm. so that when we come through our roars, those change, crisis, opportunities we can get to the other side and say, do you remember when, oh, do I ever, man, I thought we were dead in the water. I thought there was no way we were going to get through that. And do you remember Billy Bob or Susie Q, they came up with that bizarre idea. Man, that was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What have you learned about your own mental health, John, over the last years? Caregivers suck at self-care. Mm-hmm. so what i've realigned a couple friendships and that's not not the right wording but i've given more authority to some of the people in my life to call me out on yeah you know what john i appreciate you're busy but how's john mm-hmm. and every once in a while i'll get a text or a call from one of them and they've actually got to the point where sometimes I'll ignore the call because <laughs> it's like, yeah, no. Because you know not- what they're going to ask and you don't want to answer the question. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what it is. I'm not mm-hmm. going to answer this right now. And, and so a couple things that I have had to learn is where in my calendar am I putting me? If mm-hmm. I am of value. Mm-hmm. Where am I putting me in my calendar? And it's not selfish, it's self-care. Yeah. The second part to that is I've taken a whole new understanding. Instead of thinking of unplugging from work as recharging, because that's the same type of thinking that says if we put our cell phones on airplane mode, they will recharge. Everybody knows airplane mode will not recharge a phone. It will slow the drain, but mm-hmm. it won't recharge it. Mm-hmm. So when we think about ourselves and work, not what am I unplugging from, but what am I plugged into? Mm-hmm. What will recharge me? So mm-hmm. it could be, uh, we were talking about pets, could be a family, it could be activities, it could be jigsaw puzzles, carpentry, any number of things, but it's plugged in to recharge, not unplugging to recharge. Mm -hmm. I love that. Nice. And so what do you do now to recharge? I'm actually, because we just moved, 
I'm actually in a play. I'm actually having a whale of a time because I've got shelves to build. I've got the construction things. So we have a one, I know tax wise, it says two car garage, but we're not fitting two cars in it. And I've got, it looks like a bomb went off in it. And I'm excited to actually get working on it. <laughs> Shelves up and nice. Yeah. So, I love and that. so just to encourage you, challenge you, Julia, what are some of the things you do to recharge? Yeah. I mean, I do a lot of things to recharge because I'm obviously teaching all of these different tools and I'm, it's kind of nice because I almost feel like because I teach it, it holds me accountable to also practice what I preach. Mm -hmm. um, so I uh, go for walks. I have a dog. Um, so I do go for walks with him. I journal every day. I drink lemon water every morning. I have kind of my little morning routine every morning. Um, I like to exercise. Um, and sometimes it's just about reading a book or meeting friends. I feel like there are so many different ways that I that I recharge, but I think my, the biggest one I recharge, especially when I'm mentally drained is exercise. Is it? Okay. Mm -hmm. It's either going outside and going for a long walk. I live in the mountains. So, um, going for a long walk is always really nice. Um, or exercising, running, biking, mountain biking, snowboarding, mm -hmm. surfing, <laughs> um, all of these fun things. And, and kudos to you for not just because you teach it, but kudos to you for practicing what you preach. Thank you. Yeah. I also did that before I, I started teaching it um, with, without maybe being as aware that it was self-care <laughs> and it well, was what helped me to recharge. Absolutely. And I mean, if you're like 99% of the rest of us, we can get stuck in that. Oh, I don't know if I feel like doing this. Mm -hmm. But when we suck it up and do it, we feel so much better so on the much other better. <laughs> It's like, wow, am I ever glad I did it? And mm -hmm. we forget about that, I call it whining, but that wallowing of, oh, I really don't feel like doing that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. John, this was a wonderful conversation. Um, how can people connect with you if they're curious to learn more? Actually, the easiest way to connect is. Fort, the website is Fort Log, Fort, safe place in the frontier. You got to know where you're going. And a log is a journal to help others sail the sea. So fortlog.co, because I work with people. And then in this context, just forward slash stressed, but it's spelt the way you spell it. Oh, nice. Amazing. Okay. okay. So fortlog.co.co forward slash and i want to say thoughts forward slash stressed but not the whatever the non-podcast way of spelling it. it's julia's way of spelling it. okay wonderful great well john thank you so much um for talking and meeting with me today i am uh, really excited to see how your work is gonna um continue impacting the world positively in the future i wish you all the best with that and yeah i hope that you know people that are that are curious to learn more about organizational health and wellness will reach out to you and talk with you more about values so thank you that would be awesome and julia i just want to say thank you for your work and but especially thank you for practicing what you preach and i really appreciate the work that you do so blessings to you thank you so much